Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I want to ask you a very simple question, but one that I think is uh, necessary for us as we consider these verses. What are the things in life that matter to you? Take all of life and consider all of the things that you might have in life, consider all of the things that you might do in life. What are the things that matter to you? To a lot of people, things like having some measure of success matters to them, whether it's success in school or success in the workplace or success in some other field. They desire to have some measure of success. That, that matters to them. That's important to them. Consider things like finances for many, uh, growing in their wealth, maybe having enough for retirement, being able to buy a home or be able to buy something. Uh, that's a measure of success for them, and that's what matters for them. And of course, people matter. Think about the people in your lives. Maybe you're married, maybe you have family, maybe you have friends. You're here at the church, you have uh, loved brothers and sisters in Christ. You have all of these things that might matter to you. And I want you to think about all the things that matter to you. And everybody will have a different list. Everybody will have maybe a different order of things. Some people will love vacations and they love traveling. To others, they don't really care for that. That's not so important to them, but that might be important to you. And, and for others, being able to have like a dream home is a, is a great thing. For others, they live a, you know, they're, they're, they're fine with a, a little bit more of a simple home and things like that. And if you were to take the entirety of all of the matters in your life, what could we conclude about living? Is life great for you? Is life not so great right now? Is it random? And really, what is life really about? There's another question that is important for us to ask. Not just what matters to you, but what matters in life? generally speaking. And Solomon is saying, as he's written through this whole book and thought back on his experiences, I've been able to have more matters of this world than anyone else. I've been able to see more of life than anyone else. He's had all of the things that you might hope for. Just think about all of the things that matter to you all of the things that are important to you, all of the things that you're striving for in life, Solomon had all of them. Everything in life was quite, you know, seemed so sparkly and shiny and, and really attractive as he went over and, and, and desired to have all of these things. But as he went through these things, he realized that, you know what? A lot of this is empty. You know, he had so many pleasures in his life. If you go back to chapter number two and you look at verse number one, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse number one, he says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. 
He said, I just went after whatever felt good and whatever made me feel good in the moment and, and whatever would bring me pleasure and, and those sorts of feelings. He went after those feelings and he said, you know what, whatever makes me feel good, I'm going to go for it. He said to his heart, you know, whatever you want, go for it. He followed his heart. You know what he said? Behold, this also is vanity. He said, I just felt so empty at the end of it. He accumulated so much wealth. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 8. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I mean, the Bible describes that Solomon had so much gold that they stopped counting because they just had so much of it. And all of the vessels in, in their dining room were made of gold. And, and nobody thought anything of it. They just thought, hey, you know, that's just what it is. Look at the kingdom that we live in. And yet he found it very empty. He filled himself with entertainment. You know, we live in an entertainment society, whether you're entertained by going to movies, whether you watch TV shows, whether you're scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or you're on some sort of social media app or you're scrolling through this and that. There's constant uh, a time that could be put into an endless seeking after entertainment. And, and Solomon had the fullest entertainment available in that time and yet he found it empty. He sought after success, he was popular, he was powerful, and he was famous. And no matter where you are in your stage of life, there are many here that have different levels of education, different levels of wealth, different levels of you know, where they're going in terms of what they deem to be success, and yet Solomon clearly had climbed higher up the mountain of life than anyone else higher up the mountain of wealth, of power, of respect. But in chapter number 1, verse number 14, he says, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. He said, of everything that I've seen, he said, behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He said, I've seen it all, and I've tried it all, and I find it just so empty. At the beginning in chapter number one, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He says, everything I found in life was empty. At the end, he repeats it again. He thought he would be full, and at the end of his life, he found himself empty, still hungry for something, seeking for something. So the question that we hope to answer by looking through this book is, how can we find life fulfilling? How can you have a full life? And is it really that what, what people are looking for? They're looking for a full life. Whether they're looking for fulfillment in wealth or fulfillment through relationships or fulfillment through you know, success, fulfillment through entertaining themselves or the pleasures of life, they're looking for some level of fulfillment. And Solomon says, I sought that fulfillment in every aspect of this world, and I found it all empty. And he came to a very definite conclusion about how to get a full life. His conclusion wasn't, whatever works for you. You ever hear people say that? Whatever works for you. Whatever floats your boat. Sometimes people say, whatever makes you happy. Right? You ever hear people say that? Yeah, whatever makes you happy, go for it. 
That was not Solomon's conclusion. His conclusion was not whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy. There are many paths. His conclusion was simple. It was short and it was for everyone. There is a way to have a full life, but you cannot have it without God. A full life comes from God and God alone. Jesus said in, in John chapter 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. You want to know why Jesus came? He came to give life and to give a full life. You know why Jesus died on the cross? So that you might have life, eternal life, and fullness of life as well. So I want to ask you the question, do you find life full? I'm not asking whether you have a busy life, because lots of people have a busy life. I mean, they think about their schedule, they gotta wake up, they gotta get their kids ready and send them off to school, and then they gotta go to work, and then they, they work all day and they work hard, and then they gotta fight the traffic on the way back home, and then on their way back home, they're thinking about what are we gonna do for dinner, and then we gotta figure out how to eat, and then take care of the kids, make sure they did their homework, and take them off to this practice, and take them to tutoring over there, and do this and that, and then at the end of the day, you're so tired, you just put your head on your pillow, and you're asleep in 30 seconds. I mean, that's a very busy life. Lots of people have that life and find that life still somehow empty. I'm not asking whether you're busy climbing the corporate ladder, getting big raises, doing all the activities that you see everybody else doing, taking care of this and that. And, and I understand we live in a busy area with lots of busy people and we're all busy with our lives, but there's a difference between a busy life and a full life. Don't think that just because you fill all of your empty time that somehow you're going to be more fulfilled and satisfied. Solomon did all of those things. And many of the people that you look around and you think, wow, look at them. Those same people are just as empty as you. They just won't say it. I remember listening to a podcast and they were talking about uh, a mutual friend of theirs. There were two people talking. They were talking about a mutual friend and uh, uh, this friend, and uh, I, I'd heard about this person and listened to this person, and he was able to interview lots of very successful business people, people that started their own businesses, started their own companies, been very successful, took their uh, businesses public, and, and uh, had an IPO, and were worth uh, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And in privacy, he confided to his friend, out of all of the people that I've talked to and all of the people that I've interviewed, I could probably count on one hand the number of people that are happy. You know, you might look out at all of these people that are famous, all of these people that are successful, all of these people that have accomplished what you hope to accomplish, and, and they find themselves just as empty as you. I'm not asking whether you have an accumulating life. See, the American is known as a consumer. You know what we do? We consume. We consume entertainment. We consume all of these things and in uh, uh, what we can see and what we can listen to. And not only that, we buy stuff. That's what we do. We buy stuff. I remember when uh, Black Friday, you know, right after Thanksgiving, 
went from Black Friday to started creeping into Thursday. Remember, they used to have the early doors open, and then, you know, then we, they would we'll open the doors at midnight, you know, and then soon it's like, you know what, let's just do away with this. Let's just do it on Thanksgiving Day. And so everybody would eat their dinners, and then they would go Black Friday shopping on Thursday nights. And, you know, it's an opportunity to buy stuff. And, uh, you know, everybody would go and line up in these lines to buy these uh, things and buy things for other people, buy things for themselves. And if that weren't enough, people started creating holidays, not real holidays, but shopping holidays, right? If you have Amazon, you know about Amazon Prime Day, right? Who bought something on Amazon Prime Day? I bought something on Amazon Prime Day. It's okay. And they said, you know what? We got to sell more stuff. And so we're putting a holiday in the middle of summer to try to sell some more things. And there's a lot of people that have lots of stuff that have discovered, you know what? Having more stuff isn't making me more fulfilled. So what sort of conclusion did Solomon come to about where a full life comes from? I hope that you have fullness in your life. I hope that you're there. And if you are, praise the Lord for that. That you're living here and you're coming to this church, and you're finding life to be full, but maybe there's something missing. You've been seeking it in this place or that place, and deep down you're wondering, is this really what life is about? And, or maybe if I get there, maybe finally if I get to where I want to go, then finally I'll be fulfilled. Well, Solomon says, don't worry about it. I've been there already. I've seen it all, and I've tried it all. Let me give you my conclusions before you even try to go down that road. Three conclusions that Solomon made about where a full life comes from. A full life comes from a deeper purpose. Twice in the verses that we read, Solomon mentions God. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And in verse number 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment. You know what Solomon is hinting at? He's hinting that life is not about me. It's not about me. My life is not about me. That sounds a little strange, but my life isn't about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I can get. It's not about my successes or what other people think about me, it's not about me. You want to have a full life? Don't make it about yourself. You know, another way to phrase, phrase it is, do you want to have an empty life? Live for yourself. That's how you can have an empty life. You want to have an empty life? Live for yourself. Who cares what God wants? Who cares what anybody else wants? Who cares about your spouse, about your kids, about your parents, about your friends, about your church, about your fellow Christians? Who cares about them? I'm just going to live for myself, what I want. It doesn't matter what they need. It doesn't matter what they want. It doesn't matter how I could be a part of their life. This is what I want, and who cares about them? I'm living for me. You know what that leads to? An empty life. You hear phrases like follow your heart, live for yourself, love yourself. But we all at the end of the day know that living for ourselves is shallow living, right? Living for me is shallow thinking. Everybody understands that, that that's shallow. Little kids, they can live for themselves. 
But as adults, we should mature and realize there's more to life than just me. And so if you want to have an empty life, go for it. You can live for yourself. But if you want a full life, you've got to make it about something other than you. You need a purpose deeper than yourself. Deeper than just what you want. Deeper than this is what I want other people to do for me. Because Solomon did all of that. He lived for himself and the pleasures and what he could get and accumulate. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 10, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Whatever it is that I wanted, I went after it. Whatever I desired is what I made my life about. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. He looked at all that he had got and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. See, the irony of Solomon's conclusion is, if you want to have a full life, don't make life about you, about what you want, and all about yourself. We cannot place ourselves at the center of our lives or else we will find it empty. It's a strange thing to think because in my life and in your life, it's easy to think that in my life, I'm the star of my life, right? If you were to watch a show that was entitled Richard Kim, you would assume that I would be the star of the show, right? It's my name on the show. You would think that I'm the star. And we might think that my life is about me, but if you want a full life, you can't make it about yourself. You know who the star of your life needs to be if you want a full life? Has to be the Lord. Has to be God. Even Christ didn't live to please himself. Romans chapter 15, verse number three. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Even God himself lived in a way that was not about this is what pleases me, this is what about pleases others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, there was something ahead of him that would bring him joy. What was it? It was the salvation of your souls. Seeing that joy, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, a full life is one that is lived for God, that begins in faith in Christ to save you from your sins and continues with faith in Christ for daily living. In Luke chapter number 12, Jesus is, uh, he's in his public ministry, he's ministering to people in Israel, and uh, somebody comes to him with a question. It says, one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. So obviously, there was a situation where this man obviously had a brother, and their father apparently had passed away, and now the inheritance is going to be divided among the sons. Now, uh, in, the, in these days, the inheritance was not often divided equally. The, the eldest would get uh, the lion's portion of the inheritance. He would get a greater portion, and the others would get a little bit less. 
And uh, you even saw that here in America in the early days, people would come, they would settle, they would have a farm or whatnot, have a bunch of kids, and maybe the eldest would get the farm, or maybe they would split it up between two or three, but then the rest would have to go fend for themselves, and they would go off to other places in order to, you know, try to find a place where they can uh, establish themselves. And so you can imagine a similar situation here. Hey, it's not fair that he gets more than me. I'm a brother, just like he's a brother. We have the same father, we have the same mother. It's not fair that just because he was born earlier than me that he gets more than me so he says master jesus tell my brother that he has to divide the inheritance with me and he said unto him jesus replies to this man man who made me a judge or a divider over you and he said unto them take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth what a statement your life is not about all that you can get. And he gives a parable. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. Here's a wealthy man. He had a great year. In today's day, we might say he got a great raise. He got a big raise. Man, his stock portfolio went up like crazy. It doubled. It tripled. I mean, he was doing really, really well. And he thought within himself, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. So he has this big barn and he's like, I'm doing so well. I can't even put everything into my barn. What do I do? What a problem to have. Wouldn't you love to have that problem? Man, I'm so successful. I don't even know where I can put all of this. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I'm just going to tear the barn down, build a bigger barn that can hold all of my things, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast laid up, or thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. You've worked your whole life for this. Enjoy it. That's what he's saying. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who, sh uh, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You want to have a full life? You must be rich toward God. A lot of people are trying to make themselves rich. Whereas if we want to have a full life, we must have a deeper purpose than just myself. It has to be the Lord. Secondly, a full life comes from a higher perspective. A higher perspective. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You know, sometimes we can't see everything. And we make judgments based on the things that we do see. While also knowing there's many things in life we do not see. Here is Solomon. He says, I've seen more of life than anybody else. Let me give you my conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know, earlier this year in the springtime, my family and I, we flew out to New Jersey to see my in-laws, to see uh, uh, my uh, 
my wife's you know, family. And, and uh, so we went over there, and uh, so we flew out in the spring, and we were able to spend uh, some time over there and, and uh, really enjoyed the time. It was really nice and uh, been able to uh, just see family again. We hadn't seen them in, uh, you know, been able to be over there in New Jersey at least for a number of years. So it was nice to go over there. And uh, because it's been a little bit of a, a, a while, uh, my wife and my kids, they stayed there a little bit longer. And so they stayed a little bit longer. I came back after a week. I had to come back and obviously do work and here, be in the ministry here. And so uh, we went out. They stayed for a little while longer, and I came back. And uh, so I was flying back, and uh, I was sitting there in the airport, and uh, I had gotten a, uh, one of those seats that are in the emergency exit rows. And uh, those are always nice because you get a little bit more leg room, you know, you get a little bit more space. So that, that was kind of nice. And uh, so I got to the airport, you know, you go through security, you know, and you're just kind of waiting around. And uh, one of the flight attendants said, uh, uh, you know, uh, just have a quick announcement. Uh, because there were so many passengers, it wasn't a full flight. Uh, because there's so many passengers, uh, we had to kind of rearrange some passengers because they were all at like the front of the plane. And so some people had to be pushed to the back. And so I guess, and this makes sense, if you're going to fly an airplane, you don't want all of your weight on one side of the airplane at the front, maybe. Maybe you want it balanced in the middle. That makes sense to me. And so they said, please don't be upset, but we had to do this thing. And so I was like, oh, okay, all right. You know, and uh, so please check your boarding pass, whatever, things like that. And so anyway, uh, and I thought nothing of it. I thought maybe I'll be moved. Maybe I won't. I don't really know. It doesn't seem like I'm being moved. And so I got onto the airplane. I sat in the exit row. And, uh, you know, it's those planes where you got three seats on the left, three seats on the right, you know, and so there's six seats in every row. Out of those six seats, five of them were empty. I was the only one in the exit row. And I was looking around, you know, first you sit down and you're waiting, right? You're waiting, maybe somebody else will come, you know, another person or whatever. Everybody got on the plane. I was the only one in the row. And uh, so, you know, before the plane takes off, you know, the flight attendant comes over and he looks at all the people, and if uh, there's an emergency landing, will you be able and willing to help, you know? And uh, so the flight attendant came over to me and he said, are you willing and able? And if I'm out of thinking, I better be because I'm the only one here, you know? And, uh, but it was really nice because when you sit in a row like that, you got all of the extra leg room and there's nobody sitting next to me. And so I put my stuff in the seat next to me. I opened up all the trade tables, you know, and I'm putting things everywhere. It was a really nice flight. And so we're flying over, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know, kind of trying to get connected to the Wi-Fi. You know, it's one of those planes where they don't have the screens. You just have Wi-Fi and you're supposed to connect and watch something through your, your phone or something. And I could not get the Wi-Fi to connect. And so I'm just sitting there like, what do I do? And uh, so I'm like, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to try to read a little bit. I had some uh, books downloaded on my phone, and so I tried to read a little bit and things like that. And uh, midway through the flight, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I can't, you know, it's like a five and a half hour flight. You know, I, uh, you know I'm just not used to like reading consecutively that long. So I, I, I popped over. I looked over to the side. I opened up the shade, you know, and I looked down. We're flying somewhere. Uh, uh, presumably over the Midwest, and uh, the Midwest has a lot of farmland. You know, when you fly over farmland, you know what you see is you see all those squares, you know, you see those squares, and you see all of the, you know, oh, here's a plot of land, and, you know, to me, they all look the same, you know, it's just different shades of green, I don't know what they're growing, I don't know any of that kind of stuff, but I could see all of the farmland, but I remember also having driven across the country before, 
Before I moved to New Jersey, I drove from Seattle across the country to Jersey. And then when I moved to California, I drove again across the country. We drove through some of that very same land, very similar land. You know, it looks very different when you're driving past those fields versus when you're flying over the fields. It's a very different look, very different feel. When you're driving through the fields, you know, you see all of the rows perfectly placed and you can see all of the details of the corn and stuff. And, but when, you fl when you're flying over it, it looks very different. You ever see those pictures of Earth from space? You ever see those pictures? And you know, I, I love to see the pictures of when it's nighttime and you can see all the lights and you can kind of tell, oh, there's New York City and oh, there's Chicago or there's LA or internationally, you could see all the different lights and things like that. It's kind of cool, it's kind of interesting, but if you look down at a picture of LA, LA is a huge city. I and mean, when we consider all of the LA area, there's a lot of people and it consumes a lot of land but you know when you look at it from space, it looks so small. You know, you're like, where's LA? I, you know, you, you, it might take you a moment to find it. A world that looks so big from our perspective here on Earth can be so small when we look at it from space. Now imagine the perspective of God from heaven as he looks down on Earth. Imagine how he sees Earth looking from heaven and how differently he sees things from us. The things that seem so big and so important to us look so small to God, so insignificant. And imagine the things that seem so small to us, the things that we look up into the night sky, and we can, we can barely even see those things. Imagine how large those things seem to God. Imagine the angels of he in heaven as they look around and they see the greatness of heaven and how large that looks to them. And as they look down on earth, how small and insignificant all of those things look. It's amazing how a different perspective can help you to understand what are the big and small things in life. David was given a glimpse of this perspective of God in Psalms 8. In verse number one, he says, O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You know what David was able to see? He was able to see things from God's perspective. And that put everything in its right place. And what God has given to us is his perspective. You know where you find his perspective? You find it in the Bible. Because it's not like we could go fly to heaven and come back and let everybody know, oh, from heaven, this is how things look. What we have is the word of God. And the Bible here says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 
You know what God has given to us? He has given to us a very simple explanation. This is how I see things in the Bible. And he tells us, based on how I see things, this is what you should do. That's the commandments of the Lord. Fear the Lord, keep his commandments, for God will judge every work, secret or public, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That's why we encourage every believer, get into the Bible, see God's perspective, understand what he wants us to do, and live for him because he's got a better perspective than us. If you want to simplify what God desires for us to do as simply as possible, you might say that we should glorify the Lord, and that is what we were designed to do. We were created for his pleasure and for his glory. But I like to go to Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know what God wants us to do? Reach somebody with the gospel help them to obey God's commands so that they might be able to reach others also. It's as simple as it gets. Thirdly, what we see is a full life comes from a better preparation. See, most of life is about preparing for what comes later in life, right? If we have a fridge full of food today, why are we all going to work this week? because we need food next week, and we need food next month, and we need to pay for rent next month. So we, we, a lot of what we do is in preparation for what is next. Why do we send our kids to school? We send our kids to school from kindergarten, grade one, two, three, up to 12th grade, and then if you go to college, you might have two years of college, four years of college, maybe go to grad school, you have all of this education. What is the point of that education is to prepare them for what comes next. You know what you're going to need to do? You're, need, you're going to need a job and you're going to need to support yourself. Why do we have things like savings accounts and retirement accounts and investment accounts? Why do we have these things like banks and, and things like that? You know why? Because we need to prepare for what's next. You might need to prepare for your retirement. You might need to prepare for, let's say you're thinking about, you know, next year I want to go on a big vacation. Uh, maybe you're thinking about, you know, I need to save for, you know, repairs in my house. I got to prepare for that. We even prepare for things that we don't know are going to happen, right? You have car insurance, right? I hope you're not planning on getting in a car accident this year but we're all prepared for it in case it happens, right? You have health insurance, right? I hope none of you has any health problems this year, and I hope that, I think every one of us is thinking, I hope I don't have any health problems this year anyway, and yet you're thinking about, you know, I need to get health insurance, or you have health insurance. Some people have term life insurance, you know? You have little kids, and you want to you know, make sure that they're taken care of in case something happens to you. I think it's wise to prepare our kids for the workplace, to prepare for retirement or savings, to prepare for things like, you know, uncertainties of life. But just because you have a fully funded retirement account doesn't mean that you have a full life. 
Just because you have full coverage insurance doesn't mean that you have a full life. You know where a full life comes from? A better preparation. A preparation not for when you turn 21 and you need to get your own job, not for when you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s and you have kids and, and you're, you know, just in case something happens to me, you know, if, you know, I might pass away or if an accident happens, I'm not able to work and support my family, you know, you have insurance for that. Not just preparation for retirement, but preparation for the day that you're going to meet God. One day, you will meet God face to face. You want to have a full life? You can have a full life preparing for the day that you meet God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7. Here is Paul, and he's writing, and he's reflecting on his life. It's an interesting contrast because Solomon is reflecting on his life. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Here is Paul, and he's thinking about, I, I could die very soon. And he's reflecting on his life. And in verse number seven, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Uh, you can kind of feel the difference between Solomon and Paul. You could sense that Paul said, you know what? I've had a full life. I fought the good fight. I've run my race. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He was satisfied with what he had done. He was satisfied with all that he had accomplished and seen in life. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You want to have a full life? Let me ask you the question. Are you ready for the day you're going to meet God? One day you're going to meet God. Are you ready for that day? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that if you face God, that he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, I'm glad to see you here, my son or my daughter. Or are you uncertain? Are you uncertain where you would go? That's the first thing about having a full life. You could trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior today and know that heaven is your home. The other thing is, are you living in a way that the Lord would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? In preparation for that day is how we can have a full life. A full life centers around the Lord, His purpose, from His perspective, preparing for the day when we meet God.